What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic for a limited time. You can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. What's poppin'? Real ones. Logan Murdoch here. Raja Bell there. Raja, mm. got a big guest in the building, dog. Somebody we've been waiting on for for a few years now, big dog. Yeah, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. Let me, let me, let me. Uh, let no, me, don't give up the voice. Before I get to the name, let's get. Before we get to the name, let's get to let's get to the bio, man. Let's go. Uh, you know him from first take. You know him from quite frankly when you was a little when you was a little whippersnapper. You know him from NBA Countdown. You know him as a beat writer for the Philadelphia 76ers uh, for the Philadelphia Inquirer where he covered a young guard by the name of Raja Bell as a youth. Mm. And you know, and you going to know him next week for his new book, Straight Shooter, which is expected to drop on January 17th. We got the pride of Hollis Queens in the motherfucking building. We got Stephen A. Smith. What's poppin', Stephen A.? How you doing, big What's dog? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing, man? Raj, it's been a long time, baby. <laughs> it's, it's been a long time, my brother. How you been, How you man? Doing, man? Good to see you, bro. Hey, I think the last time, Logan, the last time I saw Stephen A., I think in person, we were, it was a preseason game. Stephen A. probably doesn't remember this. I was sidelined with the Cavs in, in whatever capacity I was working that night. And he asked me about David Blatt. And specifically... Um, about how guys were kind of going to relate to David Black. And I said, hey, man, I think he's going to be okay. I said, he's got this weird <laughs> matchup zone that I think could give people problems. I was getting all into my bag because I, I, David Black is a very, full disclosure, he's a very, very smart dude and knows his basketball. But right. Stephen A was looking at me side-eyed the whole time, and I'm like, yeah. He, probably, he knew he knew better than me at the time because boys was not buying into that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I mean, Raj knows that slogan because a lot of times, you know, 
you're a reporter, you're a pundit and all of this other stuff. People forget they see me on first take that I've been a reporter for over 25 years. I started off as a high school reporter, worked my way up through college and the pro ranks and all of that stuff. And so what happens is, is that you get to know cats. And when you're in the vicinity, that's the hazard. That's the one hazard of being successful at what I do now. I'm stuck in studio a lot. I want to go to games. Y'all know me. I'm not one of those cats where, well, you know what? I got my television show, so I never want to be in the locker room. I never want to go. No, I like going to the game. I like being in the locker room. I like cats to catch me before or after a game and want to holler at me over something I said or something they want me to say or whatever the case may be. And so I say all of that to say that when I went up to Raj, it's like, I'm asking you this question. You know, I know the damn answer. You know what I'm being told. I mean, you telling me this bullshit. That ain't going to work. You know, I'm not. I'm not I'm, I'm, I was like looking at Raj like, I'm your man. I'm your boy. We go back years. How are you telling me this bullshit? I'm not going for that. That's not what I'm hearing right now. It wasn't really about mm-hmm. David Blatt's knowledge about basketball. I specifically asked, how was he going to relate to the players? Because he had never coached in the NBA. He was coaching in Europe, and now you, you know, here you are in the NBA. I said, it's a different beast. And Raj yeah. tried. He really, really did because he's a loyal cat, man. But I did. <laughs> it wasn't working. Hey, Stephen A., you know when you're when you're talking to somebody, right? When you're talking to Stephen A knows this as a reporter, you know when you sniff out bullshit and when you like yeah. you're not Always. you're not locked in right now. You're telling Always. you're because all of a sudden they get slow, they start they start talking around the subject, yes. and you're like, mm. bro, why are you why are you BSing me right now? Just why why are you doing that? Just answer the question. And, and but 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 I don't blame folks for answers like that if you're talking to somebody you don't know. My look mm-hmm. with Raj is this is me. Like you, you know, know me, bro. You, you know, know me. me. What you, you know doing? Me. You know me. <laughs> I was all the way, I was all the way down the 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 rabbit hole of talking uh matchup zone principles and shit and how yeah. they would relate yeah. to the NBA <laughs> before I realized, damn, bro, where are you going with this shit? Dog? I didn't yeah. but, but <laughs> in, in fairness, in fairness, I was the eternal optimist. I was hoping. Yes. I was you really are. hoping, you know, but you are. And that is you. Steven, I want to go from the, the beginning, or at least the beginning of where we know you collectively, right? Me and uh, Raja always talk about your time with the Philadelphia Inquirer, especially yeah. during his time when he was uh, in 01 during that postseason run. Yep. Um, you had Raja Bell. You also had a guy by the name of Allen Iverson on that yep. team. What was that run like? And what was it like for you as a reporter when you were going through that time where, uh, you know, you were kind of, you were really cutting your teeth as a beat writer and a columnist, but what was that specific time like covering Allen Iverson and those uh, 76ers? It was one of the greatest experiences of my career without question, um, if not my life, because, um, you know, it, it was crystallized. You know, you talk about culminating points. Years later, when AI retired, um, AI insisted that I be at his retirement. And I was hesitant, but I said, all right, I'll go, you know, because that's his day in the whole bit. And Aaron McKee had come up to me. And, and I was like, I just wanted to be with his family, enjoy this moment. And Aaron McKee and, and George Lynch and them came up to me. And they're like, you are family. And, you know, to cover the team, um, to watch just that previous summer where they talked about trading Allen Iverson um, and to see the kind of mission he was on, um, to see that look in his eye. It was something different. Raj should speak to that. It was just something different, man. He wasn't playing. He wasn't playing at all. And, and you knew it because it was like, how dare you think about this? And he had a team, and this is what was so special about the 76ers. Everybody had his back. 
everybody knew their roles. And I mean, I'm telling you right now, yeah, Allen Iverson and his offensive prowess stood alone. But he would have just been, he would have been just another scorer if it wasn't for that team. I mean, from 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 Larry Brown on down to the players, Eric Snow and Aaron McKee. And and and, and you know what? I, I didn't like the fact that they had traded Theo Rattler because Theo Rattler was blocking three and a half shots a game. I mean, this brother was, I mean, he was an eraser. Nothing was coming inside on Theo Ratliff, you know, but obviously the Kembe Mutombo was a bigger body that you felt would give you a slightly better chance against the dominant Shaquille O'Neal in his prime. It's just one of them things, man, where it's one of the rare occasions that I saw and there was not a single player that I disliked. Not one. Everybody, you you literally looked at everybody with admiration. Because all of them were rough riders. All of them. They weren't backing down to anybody. And you knew you were going to be in a fight. If on the rare occasions that they were, that their scoring prowess was up there and they getting a shootout, fine. But by and large, it was going to be a dog fight. We were going to scratch. We were going to scrap. We were going to claw. And it got to a point where I've never seen anything like this. It, it, it sort of sifted down to the media because the media became combative with people who tried to bring into question the character of the team. Because you looked at the team and it was like, Yo, brother, these brothers are rough riders. This is, this is what it is. They ain't backing up to anybody. The only time I backed off was when you were going up against Shaq and Kobe. I said, it ends now. The ride has been nice. You're going home at five. You're going home at five. And that's what happened. But prior to that, I picked them to beat Toronto. I picked them to beat Milwaukee. And, and, and I just saw the character of the team, man. And to me, looking at the game today, if you ran across team collectively with that kind of character, you'd see similar success. Yeah, I, I'm going to second a, lo- a lot of what he said. Now, Stephen, you know I got there so late in that process. Yeah. Um, he would need it. Uh, it, 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 well, it worked out for me, certainly, and, and and I did lend something to the cause. But what I felt when I got there was what he's talking about. Every single person on that team, not only were they tough as hell, like it was a true, as you would say, Logan, like that was a Tim a Tim's and hard hat team, bro. Like yeah. cats were out there really getting after it in the paint, literally, and out on that perimeter. It was a grimy, beat you up, earn every scrap you get type of team. But behind closed doors, these were professional grown men who welcomed like a young first time pro into not only like their team, but into their families in some regards. Like I was going, you know, to holiday dinners at Eric Snow's and Aaron McKee was having me over to to hang out and show me the ropes. And Dikembe was taking me to to dinners on the road. I tell these stories. So it was really interesting to me to see the kind of the guy on the court and the team that we had to be to be successful, but get to know these people as really engaging, human, caring people off the court. And as I want to ask you, Stephen, because Alan often for people who don't know him, get this stigma about, you know, um, who who he was and kind of, you know, I, he he hit the NBA at a time and was changing the culture. And we we all know on this pod, not everybody was for that. And so he gets a bad rap at times, but I found him to be, 
I found him to be one of the best teammates I ever played with and played for. He took care of us in a way and made us feel a part of his family in a way that not every star can do. And I would just say the evidence of that is exactly what you just said. Everybody on that court would have fought, scrapped, and laid down for Allen Iverson. You don't get that kind of loyalty by being an asshole. Yeah. Well, he was never that with his teammates. Um, You know, I can tell you that I've known Allen Iverson now for over 25 years. Allen Iverson has never spoken negatively about a teammate. Ever. Ever. Right. He hasn't uttered a negative syllable about a teammate. Those are his boys. Those are the cats that he goes to war with. That's how he treats them. And that's the way that he always was. And he and, and, and the bad rap that he gets, obviously because of some of his decision-making, which he's openly admitted, but where I ultimately come to his defense is where his heart lies. That brother don't have a bad bone, man. He don't wish no harm on nobody. You know, he's been through a lot, um, and he had to stomach a lot, and it's very, very difficult for him to trust. All of those things are true, and rightfully so. Um, but it ain't just because he went to jail and the system tried to screw him over and end his life before he had one. It's also because once he became an NBA superstar, um, you had people in his inner circle who betrayed him, hmm. stole money from him, did a lot of took advantage of him, took him for granted, you know. And so he and I are incredibly tight. I just spoke to him yesterday, Raj. We're going to speak again tomorrow. Um, but that's my man. That's like the little brother I never had. And I got a lot of love for him because I know who he is. I know what he's about. And more importantly, even with the mistakes he's made, I know why. And I'd never repeat them, but I know why. And I understand that. Oh, pl- please say what's up to Chuck for me. It's been a long time since I spoke no to doubt. him. Definitely. I have a question for both of y'all. Because I think both of you have a unique ability to separate, to Stephen A's point, the 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 soul of of a said athlete from the 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 ultimate portrayal of of the athlete or whoever they are, you know, when they've got to get up in front of the media and stuff like that. And you can call one out and still acknowledge that the other one is a is a good human being. Why is that so hard for some journalists? Like I'm not a true journalist. Why is that so difficult? Because jealousy, envy, um, and this belief that they have a right to define what you should be as opposed to in embracing who you are and then hypocrisy last but not least because if you communicated with them more they would feel better about it right because you don't communicate with them as much as they would like that's a license to castigate you or to label you in some kind of way there's a there's a few cats not a lot because i get along with most there's a few cats that haven't spoken to me i don't give a damn it doesn't impact how i'm going to cover them if it is, I'm going to call it like I see it. If I know you, that's different. It's going to heighten my level of sensitivity. But not communicating with you is not going to make me go after you. I'm going to look at what you do. And I'm going to judge it accordingly. I'm going to do everything I can not to judge you. Because I don't believe in character assassinating somebody. If you make a mistake, I'm going to call it like I see it. You might heighten your levels of sensitivity towards me because you don't like the fact that I called you out for what you did. But I know the difference between that and trying to label who you are. And I know that I'm the same dude that's going to go up and defend you to the masses, even if it brings heat in my direction, because it's the right thing to do. 
I'm not looking for your friendship. I'm looking to do what's right. If we friends, we boys because of that, because we're like-minded and we appreciate that thinking, cool. If we don't, we don't. And that's just the way that it is. But a lot of people don't feel that way. And that's on them. That's their cross to bear. I think also, like, to, to echo what Stephen A. says, I think a lot of these players in general, there's a couple of things. But more than anything, they want consistency. Stephen A. is out here going to call you out. It's the same shit that he tells you in a locker room, right? Or if it's the same thing that he believes to be true, because I believe he's going to stand on everything that he writes. Raj right? knows that. <laughs> and there's also... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hey, hold up, though. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Stephen A., you be talking, listen, bro. Yeah, hey, listen, I see you sometimes. I'm going to keep it a buck because I know you a long time. Sometimes I see you, I'd be like, oh, shit, bro. You you talking, you talking, you popping big shit up there, bro. You will really step <laughs> up in there. And Logan said, because I haven't seen you in a while, Logan says, nah, nah, he, he's standing right there. I Just like it, he yeah. said he was going to be. He's standing right there. I said, okay. I see. I told I told Rod, I told Rod, Steve, that I was like, because I saw you. I mean, I've seen you a few times. I mean, that we, we work in the same circles. But like sure. a specific event is I saw you in Memphis. It was uh, it was Memphis, Brooklyn. I think March. Um, I saw you then, and when I tell you, Rob, this yeah. dude has the fucking face like he's about to play in the, a game him <laughs> his damn self. Like I'll be one of that Stephen A. I fuck with Stephen A. We, we cool, so I dap him up when I see him. But there be there's a time and a fucking place because there be sometimes where he is just staring through and he's locked in and he's getting ready for his hit. He's like that all the time, bro. Like, I, I see him. I see him. And I also see the other side of it, right? Like, I see, I've seen him also talk to James Harden days after he's criticized him or something like that right. in Houston. You get what I'm saying? Like, I've also seen him stand on that. I do want to get back to the, uh, to, to, to something that I wanted to ask about Allen Iverson, uh, Stephen A. And, and it, it, it'll start with a story. And I've talk, told this story to Roger before where, um, you know, I'm from Oakland. I'm from the Bay. Um, and I remember there was one night my pops, uh, he went out one night and um, he saw this crowd in downtown Oakland and the crowd was surrounding Steve. It was, was not, it was surrounding Allen Iverson about to go into a club and actually Allen got him in the club and pulled him in. Roger says he might've been there at this club. I say all that to say Allen Iverson was a full-time beat where you had to know, and you say it references in your book about how he has, you have to not only cover his on-court exploits, but his off-court exploits. How do you? How did you prepare as a beat writer to cover those two beats simultaneously, and you know, and also make sure that you know you are getting you are covering a team as a whole? How did you do that as a beat writer? What was your mindset in covering and covering those two things simultaneously? Allen Iverson was a beat in and of himself. He was my walking nightmare. I used to complain. There was a half half the time I was angry about. I was angry at him. It's because he got into some shit when I was on vacation. It almost never, <laughs> it almost never. Fit. I mean, when I'm there every day, he, he he's, you know, he's doing the same old shit. Yeah, he might be late to practice a lot or whatever the case may be, but that's about it. He's just doing what he's doing. The dramatic stuff always happened when I was on vacation. And I was like, damn it. it oh, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times. And, when, and, and one of the reasons that sometimes he didn't get mad at me when I wrote some of the things that I wrote it's because he knew that I wrote it with attitude because he got me on vacation. <laughs> he said, I, I, I fucked up your vacation, didn't I? I said, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it was just a given. But, 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 but he can't help himself. But I, I will tell you that um, the beat itself, you know, it was Allen Iverson, but it wasn't just Allen Iverson because Larry Brown was there. 
And he was his own eccentric personality. And he had, you know, issues with coach, with, with players. It's Raj one day, it's George Lynch the next, it's Eric Snow the next, it's AI all the time, it's Pat Croce. And, and, and it's like when you're a reporter, you don't just know players, you know coaches, you know executives, you know player personnel people, you know scouts, you know administrators, you connected to everything. So it was like, I always knew stuff. Now, did I know everything? No one knows everything, but I knew more than most. And so for me, it was like, you know what, really, you know, what went, 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 went one time when, you know, the, the, the former president's brother, you know, stole stuff from Iris. I, I knew the story. You know, I knew he went into the dude's locker and stole the jury. I knew, I knew what he did. You know, so Damn. we got to deal. I knew all of this stuff, you know, and you you got to go through it. But Allen Iverson definitely heightened the 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 microscope or intensified the microscope on the team, not just because of him, but because of what he represented. And every time it was something else, it was still an Iver- Allen Iverson story because when something else happened, they'd be like, see, see, he ain't the only problem, but y'all ain't writing about them. Y'all ain't talking about them. How come you ain't doing that? All of that other stuff, you know, because you had people who hated him and you had people who loved him. But he was always the centerpiece because no matter what story you wrote about, it came back to him in some capacity. Wait, Stephen A., real quick. Well, tell me a vacation story where you was like, fuck, man. When he got into that stuff with with, with, with the whole wife and and and, and the family mm-hmm. member and supposedly kicking out the house, all of the stories that was being written. Man, I, I was in Barbados. <laughs> oh, I had chilling. to come back. <laughs> what a daiquiri. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, man. I'm like, what? Stephen, <laughs> <laughs> you got to get back. I had to cut my vacation short by about three or four days. Oh, I was pissed. I was pissed. <laughs> Stephen A. brought up Larry Brown. Logan, I don't know if you've crossed paths with Larry Brown at all. I have phenomenal, not. phenomenal coach. I'm talking about phenomenal. the type, the type of recall that very few people have. Like most basketball players, like LeBron did something a few years ago where he detailed a couple plays, and yeah. you're like, but, but most people can kind of do that if you've seen enough basketball. Larry Brown do it for a whole fucking a whole quarter. Different level. Larry Brown came to me one time and he said, "Stephen, come here." He said, you wrote about Raj and how he played this game well, but you know what, Stephen A, at the 535 mark, he made this mistake, and then five minutes later, he made this mistake, and then I sit him down, and I bring him in about 12 minutes later so he can understand what I was saying, and he made the same damn mistake, but you didn't talk, you didn't call that out. He said, why? You getting sore? You getting sore, Stephen? You don't want to call him out? Yeah, well, he, <laughs> hey, listen. He ain't lying because that mofo, hey, I still will wake up occasionally and like, a, oh, like a, a threat, like a, a cold sweat. And you know what I'm hearing in my sleep? That goddamn Larry Brown, bro. Yeah. He, he was a character. Some, nonstop, some of his, bro. Nonstop. Some of him and Allen's exchanges are legendary. Relentless. But Stephen A., I wanted to ask you, though, on the real, because obviously knowing you, like, you know, you were covering bigger fish than me. Like, you might. And so I didn't get to know you super well back in those Philly days. But, you know, as I, as I grew as a player... You know, I got to know you better. And then, you know, you were on your way to becoming this this media star that you are now. How what was the genesis of that? Like what was what what was the inception of you saying, like, man, like maybe I want to be, maybe I want to get into that medium. You know what I mean? How'd that work? I'm just curious. I never asked you. 2001, y'all go to the NBA finals. Um, I'm working on the beat. God rest the soul of Phil Jasner, who's my who was my competitor at the Philadelphia Daily News at that time. Good dude. A good man. 
good man, a good, good dude. Um, and I really miss him, but he was my competitor along with various others. And it just got to a point where I was so connected and I did things my own way that I got a lot of stories and I was winning a lot of stories, creating a lot of headlines, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was clearly the, the star of the Philadelphia media. Well, what happened was, is that Philadelphia gets to the playoffs and they're clearly making a run to the finals. They win 56 games that year. They go 56 to 26. They're top seed. You know, they knock off Indiana in the first round. They sit up there. They go up against Rocks from Milwaukee. And as those things continue to materialize, the Philadelphia Inquirer pushed me to the back burner. And the reason they did that wasn't personal. What happens is the investigative reporting features, profiles, all of this stuff, because you're, you're, you're trying to build subscribers and you're trying to get advertisers to, you know, to, to, to invest in your product. And so all of that stuff, it was a revenue play. And when they did that, I was confined to my 800 word article and nothing more. And when I saw that and then I turn on talk radio, well, in two minutes, you could say the same amount of stuff you said in the 800 word article. And I said, this ain't the play. Plus, I'm sitting there from a newspaper salary perspective. By that time, I'm making about eighty five thousand dollars. Well, radio, you making half a million, six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand dollars. You go to the TV route. Well, they bringing in seven figures mm-hmm. and I'm looking at I'm listening to folks in radio. I'm watching folks on television. I'm like, shit, I could do a better job than them. I could do this. And that's when I committed myself to making that transition, because the collabor- the, the, the the reality of that combined with what you could make in television and radio combined with the fact that I recognize that the print industry, not literal print from the standpoint of writing digitally, but the newspaper industry was a dying industry to some degree. If you weren't working for the LA Times, New York Times, New York Daily News, Philadelphia Inquirer, one of those big newspapers, your days were, you know, I mean, the the numbers were, were limited. And I just saw it as an opportunity for me to be a bit more expansive and to push myself Um, to another level. And that's what I did. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tinder Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like Hickory Barbecue and Cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken, and buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tinder Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in free bets, guaranteed, when you place your first $5 bet. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores to threes drained. 
Man, there's a lot of great matchups in the NBA on Thursday night. There's Celtics Nets. I think I'm going to take the over on that. I think I'm also going to take the over on Bucks Heat. I think I'm going to take a shot in the dark. Take the under on Raptors Hornets. I don't have any stats. Just vibes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Also, I got news for you. FanDuel is now also live in Ohio, so make sure you get in on the action with great offers just for you now and throughout January. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in free bets with promo code RINGERNBA. It's promo code RINGERNBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states, first online real money wager only refund issued as a non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 Arizona, 1-88-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT-INDIANA, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-0-STOP, Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 New York, 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia. One of my favorite shows and why I referenced it at the top was, uh, quite frankly, one of your best interviews on there with, with Kobe Bryant. And mm-hmm. I, any time, like Allen Iverson is obviously someone you are tied to, but I, I feel like in every big moment, of Kobe's career, one of them, like in the 2000s, you were there. I remember like looking the first hand he shakes after, you know, in Phoenix after Raj's sons beat him is yours, right? Like in, in, in 07. And he goes to, uh, you know, he demands a trade on your radio show. What, where did that start? And why do you think that you guys had such a bond in that way? Kobe Bryant and I, we had a falling out. He looked at my work. He liked me. Um, but then we had a falling out uh, because I had interviewed Shaq um, in one of the years uh, they were playing. And it was the year they lost in the finals to San Antonio, if I remember correctly. And so he had been obviously charged uh, with sexual assault, even County, Colorado and all of that stuff. And I was there to do an interview on Shaq. And Shaq, I asked Shaq, because Shaq was sounding very, very supportive of Kobe in the interview. So I asked Shaq, you know, what do you think should happen? Shaq said, ooh, and shocked the hell out of me and said, I don't know. And sort of gave the impression that, you know what, he didn't particularly care what happened to Kobe, right? Mm-hmm. Because that was at the height of their friction with each other. I didn't know he was going to do that because he was sounding so receptive and supportive of Kobe until I asked him that question. He shift gears on me. Well, Kobe blamed me for that. And Kobe and I didn't speak for nearly two years. Wow. And then out of the blue one day, Kobe Bryant calls me while I'm on the road and he called me to apologize. And he called me to say that, you know, he was wrong to come at me that way. He was just upset because of what happened with Shaq. And I said, but that wasn't me. That was Shaq, you know? And so we had a long talk about that and, Ever since he he made a pledge to me that night when we were on the phone, I should have spoke to you. 
He said, because you're the kind of cat that if you talk to you and you show you that you're wrong, you'll say you're wrong and you'll admit it. He said, and if you're not, if you're not, if you don't feel you're wrong, you ain't budging. He said, I can respect that. And from that day forward, I would tell you that Kobe and I never won a month without speaking to each other privately for the rest of the career. Every month we spoke. But I, Logan, I know you got one more question for him, but I just want to chime in on that because it's very, it's, it's not the same, but it's similar to my experience with Kobe. Um, and he was just fascinated in this regard. Like he had to, you had to earn his respect. It came yes. in different forms for different people and they could do it in different totally. ways, but you had to earn his respect. You don't, he didn't just, you had to earn it. Once you earned it, you were good, but you had to earn That's it. That's right. Absolutely. Totally true. We're pressed for time, but I wanted to ask you this question. Um, you were really, I really loved your book, Straight Shooter, coming out January 17th. Um, one of the big things, you have a few chapters uh, dedicated to Skip Bayless. And, Couple. Um, yeah. and you, you talk about your partnership and what you guys have gone through and things like that. And I, I'm honestly just asking you from, you know, a co-host perspective, like me and Raja they are pretty tight. Um, and I, I'm seeing what's going on with... Uh, Shannon and Skip at this very moment. And I'm wondering like what the advice not only for them would you have as just a as a as just a co-host uh you know dynamic with them two, but also just in general, like how did how do you manage how did you were able to manage that time with Skip? And you know, what advice would you have just in terms of just keeping a relationship with him for that long as a co-host? Because there are ups and downs as you reference in the book. In a roundabout way, not directly, fellas. But I would tell you that Skip Bayless in certain res- in this one respect only reminds me of Larry Brown, the coach, former coach of 76ers. Larry Brown is the kind of guy he has to know you love him first. After that, we can springboard from that. But he has to know you love him. Because if he doesn't believe you love him, anything you say to him is an affront because he'll believe you're against him. Kip Bayless is one of those dudes that he's an introvert. He's a loner. He's, he does things his way in ways that nobody else does. Them. I'm one of the few people on the planet he's ever trusted. We don't agree on much. <laughs> I didn't agree with his tweet when DeMar Hamlin went down. I didn't agree with him years ago with what he, you know, what he said about Troy Aikman. I didn't agree with that. I've never agreed with the incessant criticism of LeBron James. I've never agreed with him with a lot of things. He does not care. What he cares is that I'm going to disagree with his perspective, but not try to character assassinate him. And I'm not even saying that other people, he hasn't brought it upon down upon himself for them to come at him that way. Because if you Russell Westbrook, you should have a problem with him calling you Westbrook. If you Chris Bosh, you should have a problem with him calling you Bosh Spice, you know, or something like that. Calling folks, you know, you should have a problem with that. Just respect the fact that I can't do that because I wouldn't be on first take if it wasn't for Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless brought me on the show and I owe him that. I can disagree with him. I can tell you I disagree with him. I can tell you why. I can argue and butt heads back and forth with him. But what I would never do is betray his trust because I know him in ways other people don't. And as a result, 
I wouldn't get into character assassinating him. I would never do that to him. Having said all of that, I would tell you that Shannon is in a difficult spot. These are, you know, First Take's been number one for 11 years, and we've been number one all six years that Skip has been gone, and, and we continue to shine in the whole bit. But that doesn't mean I root against Skip and Shannon. Skip is my man. And I got a lot of love for Shannon. Shannon's a good brother, man. You know, and, and a lot of people try to get at him and they try to attack him and all of this other stuff. Wrong dude. Don't come to me with that. That brother's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He is an NFL Hall of Famer. Shannon Sharp is a special dude. And I would tell you, the only thing that I would say is, is that he came across as someone who felt disrespected. Shannon Sharp does not deserve our disrespect from any of us. Any of us. He deserves our respect. Whether it's me or Skip, it's you guys or anybody else. He deserves our respect. We can differ, we can differ with the opinion. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to be disrespectful in any way. And so what I would say, my advice is, is just to make sure that you have that respect for one another. Because without it, you can't be a team and you can't succeed if you're not going to be teammates. Hello, this is your Real Ones podcast, and I am Jade. Did you know Raja Bell's career high in points per game was 14.7 points with the 76ers? That's 14.7 more than Logan, Kerm, and Kai's stats combined because them boys do not get buckets. Right, right before we got here, we do a segment on our Thursday show called Real One of the Week. We name a person entity or organization that just won the week. So I'm going to go first and go to uh, Ron and we're going to do it with our uh, our guest of honor here, Stephen A. Um, I'm going to go with uh, DeMar Hamlin, who just got out of the Buffalo Hospital. We wish you, man. That ain't even fair. That ain't even fair. <laughs> who the hell can disagree with that? No, it ain't no disagreement. I can't. I got to give it to Hamlin as well. There ain't nobody who can disagree with that. There ain't no disagreement. It's, it's, your, it's your personal. If you want to shout out somebody, you got your own. That's your own. No, one, you? not after that. You should have <laughs> let us go first. You should have, but he. But that's his game. That's his game, Stephen A. He that's don't, my bad. He, that, he hops in there real quick, but I will. I will allow me because I'm gonna. I, I I can give a co real one of the week. So this is what I'm gonna do, right? Like it's not a co. Let's say real one of the week B. It's gonna be the Georgia Bulldogs for what they accomplished, like going back to back, right? It's not a Demar Hamlin situation. Sure, wrong dude. Wrong dude to talk to. I don't think they should. They deserve this. I don't think they should have won last year with Georgia. If 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 Mechie didn't get hurt in the SEC championship game and Williams didn't get hurt in the national championship game, they wouldn't be champ. They wouldn't have been champions until now. If ifs was the fifth, we'd all be drunk, brother. So that, that happened. Well, you hold on that. All right. <laughs> Real one, Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> I'm going to go with him. All right. I like him. No, I like Hamlin. I like Hamlin. <laughs> That's your rule of the week, Stephen A? Yeah. Hamlin. You will come on my show with that bullshit. You ain't, you ain't gonna just come on here and try to bully me, but I know you. I know you. <laughs> I know you too. I know you too. <laughs> oh man. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Like I said, this was years in the making. Thanks for coming on, Stephen A. I appreciate y'all, man. Take care of yourself. That's been another edition of Real Ones. We catch us Mondays and Thursdays. Talk to you soon. Holler. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. 
My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 